0: So tonight's message, we're going to delve into what godly friendship looks like. And throughout looking at it and things like that, I, I couldn't think of any better example than Jonathan and Samuel to start off with. So we're not reinventing the wheel at all, but we will talk about Jonathan and, and David to, to begin with. So before we delve into kind of how they, they interacted with one another, what their friendship looked like, we will look at what they were like as individuals first. So hold your spot in 1 Samuel 18, and let's turn back a couple of chapters. We'll look into 1 Samuel 14. 1 Samuel 14, verse 6 tells us, Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. So a little background to this story is that the Philistines have kind of been the Israelites' nemesis, okay? And that's kind of the, the common theme that we'll see with David, too. And Jonathan just says to his armor bearer, "Hey, let's go. Let's go see if we can defeat the Philistines." So it's just those two that are going that are going and taking the Philistines on, and it works out how, that God gives Israel the victory just through the acts acts of these two men. And it's very cool, very interesting, very very awesome how God works. How he how how Jonathan says that he's able to save by many or he's able to save by few and that's exactly what we see with David in the classic example of him and Goliath so in 1 Samuel 16 we see the anointing we see the anointing of David how how God has him set as the future king of Israel and then 1 Samuel 17 how David goes and visits the camp of Israel and how Goliath challenges them every single day to to battle and when David sees this he says 1 Samuel 17 verse 26 it's really cool everything David says points to the, points to God in this in this chapter verse 26 of chapter 17 then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying what shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God. So no matter, no matter Goliath's stature, or anything like that, he sees, he sees that God is going to give them the victory. It says, we'll skip and go to verse 45 of the same chapter, David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. So we see... We see that Goliath is equipped with all this all this armor, all this strength, all this all this stuff that you usually see a army who is successful um, on display. But David comes at him with God on his side, and that's all he needs. And we know the we know how the story ends. David, David ends up winning because God gives them the victory. So now we're on to chapter 18, and we see the first thing about jonathan and david we'll start in verse 1 it says now when he had finished speaking to saul the soul of david was knit to the soul or the soul of jonathan was knit to the soul of david and jonathan loved him as his own soul so jonathan jonathan sees something in david right we see from who they are at the beginning how jonathan defeats the philistines and also how david defeats the, the philistines they're kind of cut from the same cloth in that they're always relying on God for deliver for delivery all in his in, in his power and they they all they all they both they have a very strong heart after god and it's and it's pretty cool how it says that Jonathan loved David as his own soul, so this is the same concept as loving your neighbor as yourself and when Jesus said, when Jesus is asked what the, what the greatest commandment is, the first one he says is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then he says, and the second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So we see that you're unable to have, you're unable to love your neighbor in a godly way without loving God first, without loving him with everything that you have, with all, all, all your being. So we see... We we see this this in Jonathan that he's he's attracted to David in this way. And then it says in verse two, Saul took him that day and would not let him go to his father's house anymore. So this is this is Saul seeing seeing something in David, something a little different. He sees David as a threat, so he wants to keep his eye on him and make sure he's not make make sure he's not becoming too powerful. And we see this, this consistently becomes a problem. We see in verse 7 that, that there's a dance. There's a, there's a dance and sing, dancing and singing that says, Saw, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. So we see how powerful David becomes in a short period of time. So Saul wants, Saul wants to keep an eye on him. And then verse 3, Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off his robe that was on him, and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. So this is, this is pretty cool. It makes no, I was looking at it, you, you'd think Jonathan and David, they'd be set up for, you know, a, friend, a friendship in that we see, we look, we look and see them, that they're such great friends. But when it comes down to it, they're not supposed to be friends. You know, we see David being anointed as the future king of Israel. And Jonathan is the next one in line to be the king of Israel. So you would think that Jonathan would have the same view as his father Saul in seeing David as a threat and wanting to destroy David. But quite on the contrary, he he befriends someone who you'd think would be his enemy. And that just goes to show how much they're putting God first, how how their relationship with God is first and foremost. And somewhere along the line after David is anoint- after David is anointed by Samuel as being the next king, Jonathan must have found out about it one way or another, because all of these things that he did in verse four took off his robe um, with his armor, even his sword and bow and his belt. those are all things that signify to the people that he is the next one in line that he's the He's the heir to be to the throne, and he puts all these on David. So we see we see almost like a changing of the guard. How Jonathan is submitting to God, there complete obedience to Him. Pretty symbolic, pretty cool. So we really need. I guess my fir- my first point would be is that we need godly friends and we need godly friends in our lives, friends that are there in both the good times and bad. Ones that we can. Be accountable with ones that we can confide with, tell us, tell people, tell them are, are tough if, if we're struggling with something. And people that can be there with both the good and the bad. I see, we see in Proverbs 17 17, it says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. So a friend loves at all times. Literally, the word friend means one who loves. So we see that a godly friend is a loving friend. And this isn't really. This isn't based on any circumstances. It's at all times. If things are going good, we're rejoicing with each other. When things are going bad, and someone's down, you know, we have those friends to pick us up, to come alongside of us. And that's not to say that that verse isn't isn't to say that your brother can't be your friend too. But those those brothers are there for. Those those siblings are there for when times are tough, but they can also be there for when the times are great too. True mark of a friend is being a loving friend, being there all the time. So let's turn to 1 Samuel 20. We see our next encounter between Jonathan and David. And this is just 40, This 1 Samuel 20 is 42 verses of, of really Jonathan or Jonathan really comforting David and encouraging him. Because David is David's in a hard place right now because Saul is Saul's out to kill him out to out to seek his life, and so we see we see all the things that Jonathan does does to him to to comfort him. We see in verse four after after David is David is really laying it laying it out to out to Jonathan that he's that he's scared for his life. It says, Jonathan said to David, verse four, whatever you yourself desire. I will do it for you. It's amazing how much how much on the same page they are. And the only way the only way that Jonathan is able to say this to David is because David is on the same page as God is. David's desires like like Jonathan says whatever you yourself desire. If John, if David's desires were apart from God's desires, there's no way that he would be able to say this and be able to hold hold to that. But they're all on the same page here. So that that's a pretty cool thing. And then another reassurance in, in verse nine, after after David is David is continuing to, to be afraid, Jonathan says, Far be it from you, for if I knew certainly that evil was determined by my father to come to you, then would I not tell you? So Jonathan's really saying to David, You know. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you anything, you know. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna keep anything secret from you. That line of communication is always open, and that's that's another true mark of a friend, in that they're they're willing to tell you tell you ever, tell you everything at any time. And then, verse forty-two, we see we see in the rest of we see in the rest of the chapter how how they have a plan for whether it's safe for David to come back to the city and be in the presence of Saul. And we find out that's not the case. And it says in verse 42 that Jonathan said to David, "'Go in peace, since you have both sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, May the Lord be between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever.' So he arose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city." So we see that this this friendship is a is a lasting friendship. We see that that just because just because they're going their separate ways now, that they're not going to stop communicating with each other and staying in touch. And we see later on in Second Samuel, we'll go to it eventually, but how David really really takes really takes this the extra mile after Jonathan's gone. In in providing for Jonathan's descendants. Another thing, another thing about friendship, we see throughout how how often that David and Jonathan they uh, make covenants for one uh, between one another and oaths between one another. So we see that a, a, a godly friend is one who is trustworthy, one who one who keeps their promises. Kind of seems like every time that they that they interact is is the time that they're you know they're kind of reaffirming reaffirming their friendship and showing showing each other how much they care by giving them their word that they're going to stay truthful and fair fair to one another now let 's turn to first samuel twenty three we see in verses twenty one through twenty two or chapters 21, twenty one twenty twenty two that um David continues to have to run, run from Saul, and Saul is, on a, Saul is on a killing spree and really disobeying the things of God. We see in, But we see in 1 Samuel 23, verse 14, another interaction between David and Jonathan. It says in verse 14, And David stayed in strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Ziph. Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand, so David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a forest. then Jonathan Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. I think it's interesting how, out of all the ways that he could have you know built David up he could have he could have gone and gave him reinforcements, he could have gone and brought an army, he could have gone and brought supplies to him but all that he needed strengthening in strengthening in was in the in in the hand of god pretty cool that's all that's all that we that's all we really need to then it goes on in verse 17 and he said to him do not fear for the hand of saul my father shall not find you you shall be king over israel and i shall be next to you even my father saul knows that this kind of this kind of reminds me of what what it's got to be like for Satan, for Satan living in living in this world. He knows that he's going to be defeated. Just like Saul knows that David is going to be king, the devil knows that he's going to be defeated, but he's going to continue pursuing. He's going to pr- continue to try to deceive us and try to get us off on the wrong path. But Jonathan's really... Really a godly friend, in that he's giving david this this great advice that he's speaking the truth to him he's not he's not pumping his tires full of full of false things he's he's saying that you know you're the you're the anointed one saul's not going to find you you can't you can't die simply because God has promised that you are going to be the next king of israel. It's like hang tough, hang in there verse eighteen says so the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. And David stayed in the woods, and Jonathan went to his own house. So we see eventually that, that in the end of 1 Samuel, um, King Saul ends up dying, committing suicide. We see that his sons, including Jonathan, die. But that's not the end of what we see out of Jonathan, between Jonathan and David. So let's turn to 2 Samuel 9, So keeping in mind about how they had the covenant, about their descendants would be together and that, and that this, this relationship would last forever, it says in 2 Samuel 9, verse 1, Now David said, Is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, so when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? He said, At your service. Then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is, he is in the house of Mashir, the son of Am- 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 Amiel in Lodebar. And King David sent and brought him out of the house of Mashir the son of Amiel from Lodibar. Now when Mahiboshef, I hope, I kind of hope uh, that they gave a name, a nickname to Mahiboshef, because that's a that's a mouthful to be able to say over and over again. When the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, "Mahiboshef," and he answered, "Here is your servant." So David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. And you will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. It's pretty cool how even though Jonathan's got, or how Jonathan has, has gone on, that David still cares about their relationship so much that he's willing to forge a relationship with his son. And we don't know, we don't know a whole lot about Mephibosheth. We we see that he's, they share with us that he's lame in his feet. So whatever whatever um, malady has befallen him, we don't know. But we realize that David shows, we we see the kindness and love that David shows to one of Jonathan's descendants. Couple other things about being a godly friend. At the at the very end, we'll go back and see what the true mark of a friend and what the true mark of a friend is, and how Jonathan showed that to David. But a a couple marks of a friend that are interesting how we can that we see are number one a friend really a friend isn't scared of confrontation. He isn't uh, a friend isn't scared of rubbing rubbing someone the wrong way if the situation calls for it so whether that be having to confront a friend if they're off on the wrong way if they're not living in a godly way to be able to bring that friend back into fellowship with God seeing that and being being cognizant of that and being willing to willing to say something because there's nothing worse than having a friend who let's the person lets the person go off on their own. Our our mom always said that it's I can't believe I'm gonna say this, but she she would always say, you know who your friends are by if you have a booger on your face and you tell you tell them that that, that it's there. So even if the even if the situation is hard, it's like that's hard to tell someone that you know you got, you got something right there. You should probably take care of that but even on even on a deeper level on a spiritual level if something if something is going wrong to be able to come alongside that person and you know bring them bring them back into fellowship with Christ and even if there's conflict between friends conflict is something that's going to happen i mean we're not going to all agree on everything and that's that's perfectly okay but we see that these relationships with God at the center are the ones that are durable, are the ones that are worth going after are the ones that are worth worth the time and the investment in having in the, in having that time where you're really taking making sure that you know that things things are going well between between you two. Let's go to Ecclesiastes four. This is, a, this is a passage that we usually see see having between a, between a husband and a wife, but it can definitely apply to friendship as well. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9 says, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie together, lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So we see the importance of having having someone that is there to trust in, a godly, a godly companion, whether that's a spouse, whether that's a whether that's a friend. It's interesting, I I love how it ends here, how it says a three four a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So that's referring to two people and then got at the God at the center. We see how easy it is for, for a when it's just two strings together, how it's easy to just un, un unwrap it and before you know it, it's it's ineffective. You can't be you can't use it. But we see that because it says that it's not quickly broken, we see that people are that implies that people are going to try to tear it apart people that it's going to be tested and it says in um it says in proverbs twenty seven seventeen that iron sharpens iron just as a friend just as a friend sharpens count or just as a man sharpens the countenance of his friend, so we see that it's not always it's not always easy iron sharp iron on iron that's kind of a tough a tough thing when you come to it it's not a soft delicate thing it's 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 rough it's hard it's not it's not it's not a beautiful thing but that's what is necessary in order to in order to sharpen to sharpen a piece of to sharpen a piece of metal and that's what's necessary sometimes to make sure a relationship is in the right in the right place and of course, we can't go without seeing Jesus in all this as well. Too, um, he wasn't Jesus Himself. He wasn't afraid of confrontation. He wasn't afraid of shooting straight with someone and um, telling people like it is. We see a couple examples. Um, we see in Matthew sixteen where he was, um, where he was telling his disciples about how he was going to die, be buried, and rise again. And we see how P- how Peter takes him aside and kind of rebukes him a little rebukes him and tells him that what are you you know Jesus what are you doing and Jesus the first thing he tells him is get behind me satan you know you're not going to that's that's a that's a pretty harsh thing to say to say to one of your one of your friends one of your disciples one of the people you're closest to call it, calls or refers to him as satan and we also see in Matthew 8 how when the wind and the waves they were in the boat and the wind and the waves were strong and they were afraid for their lives, the disciples were. Jesus, Jesus tells them, Why are you why are you fearful, O you of little faith? So he 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 questions their faith in that. And you know, the disciples can do one of two things in that situation. You know, they can say, We don't have they can defend themselves and say, We don't have little faith, you know, or they can change it. And I'm guessing because God or Jesus who is God's son told them that their faith that their faith was could come into question that you know they they took a serious look at that and wanted wanted to change that simply because Jesus told them that you know we we got to wa- we got to watch our faith we need to we need to make sure it's strong in everything that we're doing and then we see the The very true mark of a friend. Let's turn to John 15. John chapter 15. so we see that jesus jesus talks about friendship in regards to love and how how you can't really separate the two how how we remember we got to remember that a friend literally means one who loves and when it comes to love there's no greater example than jesus and how he says how he says again in verse 13 greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends and we see what jesus love looks like to us how he was on the cross for us and that how how humble that how much humility that took the sacrifice it took and his will his willingness to to go to the cross for for those he loved for his friends goes on to say in verse 14, You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another so really really making sure that love is part of the equation with friendship that the communication line is wide open we see that we see that Jesus doesn't doesn't hold anything back when when communicating with those he loves with his friends and we also see that that he chose us you know it'd be it'd be a tough thing for for us to trust in a Savior who didn't choose us first, so we see we see that friendship is is there too, and ultimately laying down your laying being able to lay down your life for them, and in the example at the beginning, how it, between Jonathan and David, I find it interesting how this example of laying down your life is is brought up to a degree. Says in, you don't have to turn there, but it says in 1 Samuel 20, verses 32 through 34, and Jonathan answered Saul. This is when Jonathan goes back and sees whether David can come back into the city, whether it's okay to be with Saul, whether it's safe. Jonathan answered Saul, his father, and said to him, Why should he, that being David, be killed? What has he done? Then Saul cast a spear at him. To kill him, by which Jonathan knew that it was determined by his father to kill David. So Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger and ate no food the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David because his father had treated him shamefully. So we see that Jonathan's life was on the line for his friend at the hand of his own father. And that's really what we see out of Jesus when. When he went all the way for us, when he when he died on the cross for our sins, and it's it's also it's also cool that we don't really have any reason to be afraid of death either. Like laying down your life for your friends, that sounds like a scary scary thing. But since we are secure in Christ, since no one can pluck us out of His hand, we have the we have the the ability to do that and not be afraid of of death because. Death has been defeated. It's been swallowed up in victory. Jesus has taken care of it. So we can be confident in, in giving our all for our friends. Okay, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, for your word, Lord. We thank you for um, what you've shown us, how to be how to be godly friends toward one another. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us have, has a friend that we can... That we can go to when times are difficult and when times are good, Lord. Um, we thank you that you have provided a church body that has that has many people who follow you, Lord, and that we can we can build relationships with relationships with one another and grow in your word. Um, we thank you for the example of Jonathan and Jonathan and David and what a godly Godly friendship looks like, the encouragement that goes on, the love that's there, um, the trustworthiness, the loyalty, Lord. And we thank you for your example, too, about you being a friend to us and you not being afraid to lay down your life for us, Lord. We're so thankful for all you do for us. We pray that for this week as we are going out into the mission field, we pray that we can be great testimonies for you, Lord and help us to be bold in proclaiming your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you are dismissed.